Hey, hey, this is Craig Para, the founder of the Mindful Habit System, life coach, empowering you to stop doing the thing, whatever that thing might be, and create a great life because I am so addicted to habits, to mindfulness, and success. Because the golden rule of behavior modification is to break a habit, repeat after me, everybody, you have to make a habit. So remember that your success in not doing the thing, whatever that thing is, is a function of you doing something else, right? If I obsessively focus on not doing the thing, that's only going to get you um, so far. So today, I want to talk about how sex addiction and porn addiction manifests itself in the relationship. And so that means I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and that is safety. Safety, emotional safety, and physical safety is the foundation for a great relationship. And it is the place that is most disrupted in the relationship after sex addiction, a.k.a. infidelity, and porn addiction, when one partner's sexual energy is being directed away from the other partner. So safety's pretty heavy. Safety's pretty heavy, and I take an incredible amount of pride in helping couples create a structured path towards creating safety. And so let me share you a story about Tom and Melissa. I'm going to use some blunt language. I'm just going to really try to get to the point. And uh, please note that as I'm telling this story, this is from each person's perspective, right? It's not reality. So Tom, he's a sex addict. Tom has been in recovery now for four months. And he's made an incredible amount of progress in those four months. But his wife, in his words, is nagging the shit out of him. He complains he can't take it. Where are you? What are you looking at? Where are you going? He feels controlled. He feels like a child. He feels emasculated. There is a one-up, one-down dynamic in the relationship, and because of his actions, he is the one down, and he is tired of talking about it, and he is sick of defending himself, he is sick of being accused, he is sick of being attacked, he's doing everything in his mind to move forward. Okay, don't be too hard on Tom yet, because I'm using uh, this story to illustrate some important points, but what about Melissa? Right? She doesn't want to be a nag. She doesn't want to, um, um, you know, track him down, chase him all over the place. But four months ago, her world was shattered. The man she thought she knew wasn't. She had thought Tom was X. And come to find out, Tom had been seeing prostitutes, had been going to strip club, had been giving his sexual energy someplace else. And guess what? She feels completely unsafe. She doesn't know if her relationship is going to work. The man who she loved isn't who she thought she is. She's scared. She feels unsafe. 
And so what do we do when we have a couple that's in this place? What do we do when you've got this conflict of these two people who want to move forward, but they're trying their best and they're still bumping heads? They can't shift that one up, one down dynamic in the relationship, mother-son. How many of you are in this situation now? If you're listening to this podcast, you're in some form of recovery. Right? Can you connect to Tom and Melissa, two good people, fathers involved in their community, mothers engaged at school, right? trying to do right by their kids and by each other, and more importantly, by themselves. But there's this one-up, one-down dynamic in the relationship, and Tom, it feels like mother-son. And for Melissa, she is sick and tired of having to watch his every move and sick and tired of trying to find out where he is. What is he doing? Where is he going? So, you know, I want to tell you a story about me because I can really, really, really connect with Melissa and Tom, which is why I'm so excited later in this podcast to share with you a systematic, structured way to change this dynamic because it will consume you. There will not be progress. You must create safety. And guess what? Both of you have safety needs in the relationship. But I'm out and about, right? This is early in my recovery. And I remember like uh, having to check in and feeling like a little bitch. Michelle never did anything to make me feel that way. She never emasculated me, but I felt it. I felt it. Here I was at the at the store, um, you know, taking a picture of myself in front of the store. Um, here, look at my phone. Um, here's where I am. Here's where I'm going. I'm on my way to this place. Well, why did this all arise? Where did this even come from? It came from me completely being an asshole and being completely untrustworthy. I didn't deserve any uh, respect around my private time because I had violated. I had breached. I had taken advantage of her kind of letting me do what I wanted to do. And I remember being out sitting in front of a store. Right? And this was, this, was, this was at a bumpy time. I didn't know where things were going. And I know that I had wreaked so much havoc in my relationship. I didn't know if this was going to work. But I knew something had to change because I was going insane. I hated being controlled. Like, that's my issue. That drove some of the behavior, this feeling that someone was always controlling me, that someone was telling me what to do, that someone was um, bossing me around. Freedom! I remember, and, and for you partners who are listening, all of the behavior is a function of unmet needs. All of the behavior is a function of unmet needs. And so here I am now in this one up, one down dynamic being controlled. Just like mommy. Can't even be trusted to go to the supermarket. No, no, I could not be trusted to go to the supermarket because I had breached and I had violated that trust. And I was sitting in my car getting so, so, so angry. I get a text message. Where are you? Son of a bitch. 
where am I? I'm at the goddamn store. Where do you think I am? Right? First thought. <laughs> First thought. And it was in that moment. It was in that moment where I started to translate. I started to translate because I had perceived much of the words coming out of Michelle's mouth as aggression, as anger, well, which it was, um, as um, disrespectful, as controlling, as manipulative. But it was in that moment where I was able, just for a teeny tiny second, translate. Like, listen, this woman loves me. She gives a shit. After everything I did, I got someone in my life who cares where I am, who gives a shit what I'm doing, and wants to protect this family unit. And, and it was in that realization I was able to deeply connect with Michelle's pain and translate where are you? What are you doing? What are you looking at? Where are you going? Means I am scared. I am afraid. I don't feel loved. My reality has been shattered. Two plus two is five? What are you talking about? And just that ability to empathize and translate and to see that, wait a minute, <laughs> okay, I'm broken. That doesn't give me the right to be a douchebag. That doesn't give me the right to do all the things that I've done to this incredible woman who did nothing but support me, love me, nurture me. Is she pissed off? Is she being annoying? Is she driving me a little crazy right now? Am I dealing with my own stuff? Yeah. yeah. But she needed support. And when I was able to shift and be able to see that it wasn't like bitch wife, it was, I need help. I care. I was able to translate. And in that ability to translate, I realized that I was loved. And so I, in that moment, made a choice where I am going to proactively honor Michelle's safety. Why? Because I want my woman, my girl, to feel safe. Baby cakes has got to feel safe. I want that to happen. So I started to own that safety. I started to be proactive, started to be a pain sometimes. I'm going here, I'm going there. Here's the picture, cheese. Um, here's the clock, cheese. So you gotta, you gotta see the time in the picture, right? Cause you know you sneaky son of a bitching guy. You know without the time in the picture, Right? Yeah, there was a time when I even took pictures the day before at certain places. Like, I mean, a profound level of manipulation here. So I've seen it all, brothers. And I wanted her to feel safe. And then I own that. I took on that responsibility. If she's not feeling safe, then I've got to do a better job. And so... That's when things really started to shift for us. And I realized that in all our counseling and all our therapy, and, and by now, well, soon after, I started working with people and started helping them. Um, and of course, 
you can't just think about the guy without the context of his partner. There is a relationship at play. And I started to study safety. I started to understand um, this dynamic in the relationship that had been breached by infidelity and compulsive pornography use. And me, I'm a systems guy, right? How can we systematically and in a structured, repeatable way, in a way that's going to impact a couple's infrastructure, create safety? And so the safety agreement was born. The safety agreement was born. And I absolutely love this exercise. I just did a YouTube video on this exercise. It is an exercise that I do with every single couple that I work with. And even if you've heard this exercise on this podcast and we work together someday, you will see our ability to profoundly take it to another level. So I would still do this exercise with you, even if you're listening to this podcast and you'll understand why within a couple days, couple days of doing it because it's so impactful, especially with me at the helm. Excuse me. So first, before I want to talk about safety and the safety agreement, I want to put it in context. Okay, I want you to picture a three-layer cake, and that three-layer cake is a great relationship. That three-layer cake represents a great relationship, and I want to talk to you about each one of those layers. The bottom layer, the foundation for a great relationship is safety. And there's a physical component to safety and an emotional component to safety. And you can see where infidelity breaches both the physical disease, another baby, another crazy in your life, and emotional safety. Right? right? No one wakes up deciding to be a pathological liar, douchebag, uh, loser, manipulative, right? There's all sorts of safety issues driving the man's behavior because all of the behavior is a function of his unmet needs. It's his disconnect with his true self, love for self, that's driving this behavior. And so there, there, there's, there's needs galore, and we're going to talk about those needs more in a second, but there is no great relationship without safety. And this affliction blows it up blows it up. So we've got to bring it back in a structured way. And we've got to put that boom right in front of your face so you can start creating safety. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. So on top of safety is vulnerability. And there's a physical component and an emotional component to this vulnerability. Being sick in front of your partner is an example of emotional vulnerability. Being naked, being nude, that's sexual vulnerability. Um, is an example. And of course, that emotional vulnerability. I am scared. I am weak. I am triggered. I am afraid. That's the emotional vulnerability between couples. And on top of that layer, so we've got safety, vulnerability, and on top you have intimacy. And intimacy is a spectrum. It goes like from one side to the other, non-physical intimacy to the other side is sexual intimacy. So there we've got the three-layer cake representing a great relationship, and we have to fix safety. One of the advantages of this exercise is that it introduces a new script into the relationship, a a new language. Instead of you're an asshole, instead of all the bad words that have understandably come out of your mouth, partner, 
Um, there's this um, new language where I feel unsafe. So how do you get safety back? First, you get safety back by focusing where, if any, there is safety existing in the relationship today. Where, if any, there is safety existing in the relationship today. And so each of you are going to fill out or complete this statement five times. So each of you are going to complete this statement five times. Ready? Got a pen? Pause it. I feel safe when you blank. It makes me feel blank. I feel safe when you blank. It makes me feel blank. So here's an example. I feel safe when you proactively show me your phone. I remember you did that, Tom. And it just made me feel loved. It made me feel like you were committed to this relationship. Or I feel safe when I shared with you that I was triggered and you didn't freak out. Even though I think you probably were tempted to freak out and wanted to ask me a hundred questions. You gave me that space just to share that vulnerability. And so you want to start by focusing on the positive because the exercise gets a little bumpy. And I got a couple of caveats, warnings coming up for all of you thinking about doing this exercise. Sometimes it's too early. So first we focus on safety. First we focus on safety. And now we've got to focus on unsafety because clearly from the partner's perspective, there is an incredible amount of unsafety and we need to bring some rigor, some discipline on that so those safety needs can be met. But here's the thing, ladies, and this is the part that makes this exercise so difficult, is guess what? Guess who else has safety needs? Yeah, him. He does. He does. I'm sorry, but it's true. First of all, you've got almost an emotional cripple. <laughs> And uh, I'm trying not to say that in a disparaging way, but look at the behavior. Look at his emotional maturity. Right? We're trying to build. This is someone who is broken. And undoubtedly, when you look at family of origin, when you examine the programming, as it is the case in every single man that I've worked with, when you look at the input, the output isn't so hard to believe. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that that, 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 that that his is more important than yours. But I am telling you that he has safety needs. And when, here's the sign, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the sign. When the two of you are arm in arm together moving forward and that one up, one down dynamic is gone, that's when you know it's going to work. And that's a really powerful place. It's an incredible place. But let's get back to the bumpy part. First warning. Sometimes it, this exercise, it's too early. It is too close to discovery or D-Day or when you got caught. And yeah, your safety needs. Let me tell you what I think about your safety needs. And this is the partner talking. <laughs> I know what safety you need. You're lucky you're in the house. You're lucky I'm still talking to you. You're lucky I haven't taken the kids and ran off to grandma's house. So here is what I think of your safety needs. And two middle fingers <laughs> fly up. Fuck you and your safety needs. 
Listen, and that's totally understandable. Brothers, timing is everything. And maybe in the beginning stages, it's important just to focus on where there is safety and magnify that. Focus on the positive. Okay? Because there is, this, this exercise is too early. And I want to make that clear. And it doesn't make either of you bad. It just means that you're not ready. And it's understandable that you're not ready to talk about his safety needs. I don't care what his mommy did or what his daddy did. I'm his wife. I'm here and now. I have supported him. And look at what he's done to me. A pathological, sociopathic lying. And you want me to talk about his safety needs? No, no. This time it's about me. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely correct, and I want to support you and honor you, and, and absolutely, brother, listen, you're in this place for a whole bunch of reasons, and most of them, most of them, when you look in the mirror, you can figure out what they are. So you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to work hard to create a place and create an environment where your safety needs are important. And so here's part two of the exercise, I feel unsafe when you blank, I wish, no, one more time, I feel unsafe when you blank, it makes me feel blank, I wish you would do blank instead. Let me say that one more time, I feel unsafe when you blank, it makes me feel blank, right, you're going to fill in that part. Remember I say blank, that's where you put the words. I wish you would do blank instead. So this is real powerful opportunity for both of you to put your unsafety on the table and share it with each other. And let me give you a ridiculous example. And some of you guys who've been paying attention um, have heard this one before. I get a phone call from Michelle. I look down on the phone and I see that it's her. I'm going back many, many years now, but, but bear with me on this historical journey. Energy shift in the body from positive to negative. First thought, what did I do? She caught something out. She accused me of something out. She's going to be upset. She's going to be yelled. Like I was literally unsafe in that moment. Now, do you think in the beginning that she gave a rat's ass that I felt unsafe when she called? No, no, and there's no solution. What is she not going to call? That ain't going to happen. It's my wife. <laughs> but by acknowledging that I was literally that broken, where I felt unsafe, where she called my name, Craig, Craig, from the other room, and like, what did I do now? God damn it, son of a bitch. Like, just that mental chatter starts racing. I wasn't aware of that unsafety. I wasn't aware of how unsafe I was in the relationship. And I, listen, man, you know, right? You look down at the phone, oh, right? She calls your name. What did I do now? Right? There's a lot of family of origin stuff, brothers, all wrapped up in how you are automatically, instantaneously responding to your partner. So it's very, very important for you to acknowledge where you feel unsafe when the two of you are ready. I feel unsafe when you yell and scream in front of the children and say sensitive things about my condition. It makes me feel worthless. It makes me feel small. I wish we would have these conversations in private. 
I feel unsafe when you hide your phone. I wish you would let me look at it. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like you're not committed to this. It makes me feel like you're hiding something. So this safety, unsafety exercise is a powerful opportunity for each of you to create a powerful, solid foundation that illuminates the core, the foundation of any great relationship, physical safety and emotional safety. And that's the gift, my friend. That's the gift of this condition, right? Like if you, where, where, where's this go? What do you do with this? And the reality is that if you are willing to do the work, because of how this affliction touches us in such a deep, powerful way, and touches our partner in a deep, powerful way, and touches, blows up the relationship in such a deep, powerful way, unless you're content to mediocrity and malaise in your relationship, the only way this works is to go there is to establish a new level of safety, a new level of vulnerability, and a new level of intimacy. But that is only, only going to happen is if you are able to create safety in your relationship. But if you do, your relationship is going to be that much better I promise you that. My name is Craig Perra, and this is Sex Afflictions and Porn Addiction. So honored that you're listening. I'm so excited for next week's podcast. I can't even tell you what it's about because I'm bouncing around between a couple of really, really exciting ideas. But stay tuned. Can't wait to talk to you again. And remember to embrace your power of choice. <laughs>